Welcome to Staying on Track, the podcast dedicated to helping you take control of your financial future. Brought to you by Daymark Wealth Partners, we plan to guide you through the exciting world of money management, investments, and smart financial planning. We will dive deep into a variety of financial topics, bring you expert guests, real life success stories, and actionable ideas. So whether you wish for early retirement, buying your dream home, or simply making your money work harder for you, the Daymark crew is here for you. Let's take this financial journey together as we explore the path to financial empowerment and prosperity, all while ensuring that you are staying on track. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome to the Staying on Track podcast. I'm your host, Jason Beichel. I'm a founder of Daymark Wealth Partners and I'm a certified financial planner. It's a well-known statistic that 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorces. And one of the main reasons cited in a lot of surveys is money, the issue of money. So we're going to try to help you out and give you some ways that you can alleviate some of this stress on your marriage. So with me today, I have Eric Larison. Eric's our wealth advisor here at Daymark. He's a certified financial planner as well, and he's very qualified to discuss this topic as he was recently married. So Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Why don't you give us a little background of yourself and uh, we'll go from there. So I've been a CFP for for several years now. Um, recently, just got married in 20, uh, 2022, or I'm sorry, twenty twenty three, September sixteenth. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, being in January, you always have a few weeks where you go back <laughs> go back to it, the old convention. But anyway, yeah, I got married uh, September sixteenth, twenty twenty three. You know, and we were fortunate enough to um, get married. Uh, and since then, uh, you know, have the house, have everything set up correctly, you know, and as much to the credit uh, for, for Megan, my wife, as to me, you know, being the CFP. Um, so things have been good. Yeah, that's really useful being a CFP going into this. Uh, how'd you approach like the topic of merging finances? Did you go in that after you were married, well in advance? I mean, what do you recommend there? Well, a lot of that work begins before marriage. Um, you know, obviously you got you're getting married to this person. Um, the, a lot of those conversations that you have about finances and the goals that you have should really happen before before you decide to get married. Um, I know that when I went to propose to her and when I went to her dad to ask for her hand in marriage, um, you know, we were very aligned in our goals and how we felt and thought about money ahead of time. So I think really having that understanding uh, before you even start down the, the road to marriage is is really important uh, for a lot of couples. Right. It's it's interesting because it can be a touchy topic. And while you're dating you know, nobody wants to share their flaws at the beginning. And, you know, a lot of people I've seen this over the years where they're you're carrying a bunch of debt and they're not disclosing that to their other partner. And that dis that gets disclosed when you're married. So you need to get, you know, if you're carrying some student loan debt or some credit card debt, it can cause a lot of problems going into a marriage, right? Yeah, it really can. Um, and like you said, the statistics that you were quoting on the intro there, um, you know, it's a big deal and everything revolves around finances now more and more um, in, in today's day and age. Um, so having those conversations out of the way ahead of time can really alleviate a lot of that stress. Right. I talk a little bit and it's kind of along those lines of, of transparency is, 
how do you set a budget? Because I know a lot of people, they have different thoughts on what's expensive and what's not expensive. You know, did you guys work on your budget early on? Yeah, and we were fortunate enough um, that we were dating and cohabitating and then, uh, you know, COVID hit. So it was kind of a different circumstance for us. So we got to kind of uh, experience what it was like to have those conversations. Um, and we did things in a little bit of a non-traditional way where we actually went out and um, got a mortgage before we, we got married. We were in the planning phases of having a wedding. But um, with COVID and with the, the weird things that were going on in the housing market and with interest rates, uh, we made the decision to actually get the mortgage and buy our home before, before tying the knot. Um, now, if, if the world and the situation were a little bit different, I don't know if we would have done that exactly the same way. But um, being aligned ahead of time in, in our partnership and, and talking about things we decided it was the best thing for us to really get that out of the way um, before before the wedding. Um, so that was actually even even another another big ticket item um, that may not be necessarily traditional, but it really helped us in our journey uh, discussing those finances and, like you said, what's what's expensive, what's not expensive, and where you kind of want to allocate you know those paycheck dollars month to month. It's interesting to me that, so I've been married for 13 years now. So us setting spending limits and talking about things like that's a distant memory. We, we kind of know where each other stands at this point, but I, I remember a story when it, we just, we literally just got married and I was at the you know golf course. I wanted to get a new golf club. And so I go in there, hit this, hit a couple clubs a few times. One of them, I obviously, you know how it works. You, you hit one new club and all of a sudden your drive's going 20 yards further and straighter than you've ever hit it in your life. So rather than get any type of a lesson, you just say, I'm going to spend four or 500 bucks on this new golf club and that's going to turn my game completely around. So I did. And then I got home and told my wife, you know, I just got this new tailor-made driver. I'm really smoking it. And she was like, well, how much did that cost? And she'd never actually asked me too much about what things cost, but now we were married. And I was like, well, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. And she was like, should we have a discussion before we spend? So that was one conversation that we had was, all right, let's set a limit. Like if you're going to spend a certain, I don't need to know when you're, you know, buying a, you know, a new hat or something like that. But, you know, if you're buying something that's a little bit more of a bigger ticket item, you know, we should have that discussion. That doesn't mean anybody's going to say no to anything. It's just a matter of common courtesy and budgeting and saying, look, these are spending limits. Let's have them in place. So there's no surprises. Yeah, and that's always good. Like I said, some of that pre-work we can we had, um, and talking about your wedding budget is a good way to kind of start that process. Because um, I know, you know, being fresh off kind of the whole wedged, wedding and budgeting conversation is, like you said, she she might want to spend a thousand dollars on a a certain table setup or floral arrangement or something like that. And to me, it wasn't really that important. And I'm thinking along the same lines you are where, hey, I could use that money to go out and buy a new driver or a new set of irons, <laughs> you know, right. not not spend the money on on whatever uh, table runners we're going to go down or or the aisle runner or, this, or whatever you, you have in, in your wedding. So um, being able to kind of start that and work it into your wedding budget. Well, hey, 
if our budget is, you know, X, if, if it's 10,000, if it's 20,000, whatever that might be, um, you know, being able to say, well, if we really want the table runners, maybe we should forego the advanced floral design um, and really kind of work through what's important to you and what's important to her. And it can kind of, because of the wedding, even though it's the most important day of your life and you're really excited about it and she wants it to go as perfectly as possible, you kind of start to get a good feeling over how and the way that your partner might value money and spending that money. So if having the best food and the best prime steak is really important, then yeah, you guys should go ahead and do that. But if it's the decoration or the DJ, you can kind of start to see because the wedding is in a, in a vacuum in a way. It's a small sample size where you can really dive in and dissect those different transactions and say, oh, well, the entertainment's more important to me. And you can kind of take that away into married life and say, well, you can set your priorities a little bit better. I think you're spot on leading into the wedding. It's great kind of batting practice for setting a budget on other things that you're going to do in life. So you've got a budget for your wedding. See, as you work through that, understand that some things are going to be a little more important for one person than they are for the other, but learning how to compromise on the front end as you're leading up to that wedding, I think is a, a great lesson into going into the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I it goes further than that too. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the operations of the wedding, but it's, you know, it's about priorities. Um, and you can tell kind of even when you're dating or when you're budgeting for the wedding, if if your spouse or partner says, oh, well, we, we can't make this payment because I like to give to this cause or that cause, that becomes a conversation as well. You want to know where where and how they're they're spending their their funds um on the way in. Right. And I think on the, I always talk about family meetings and having, you know, financial planning meetings, because I know in my experience, when you're dealing with a couple, one couple's one person sometimes leans towards more of the financial side of things. One couple, you know, one of the partners leans towards other items I know in my household, but it's part of my business. You know, I kind of take the lead on the finances, but I always, once a year will sit Rebecca down and say, we really need to go through the overall plan and really dive deep into this and be intentional with everything we're doing because she needs to know what's going on as much as I do, even, even though I manage the day-to-day -day finances. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that too, because we've taken a slightly different approach um, for us where I kind of handle a lot of the high level, um, not so much the day-to-day, um, my wife, Megan, really likes to know what's going on, like transaction to transaction when it comes to paying the water bill or making sure the Internet's paid. So um, I'll handle a lot more of that budgeting, savings ratios, uh, amount we're spending on the mortgage, all that sort of higher level conversation. And, and she really finds a lot of value um, in being able to manage the day to day. So um, even being you know two financial professionals here you can kind of define those roles and responsibilities differently depending on uh, the nature of the relationship. Uh, and, and it's really what works best for you, you know? Yep. Everybody's different. So being, uh, being reasonable and actually what you said is perfect. Define those roles, make sure those defined, those roles are clearly defined going in and then they can evolve as you work through the marriage, but 
having them defined on the front end so nothing gets missed, something's not being paid, or you know we're not saving the right amount, and you know that's or gifting. I think gifting is something that a lot of couples sometimes struggle with. You know, one one person might have a passion for a certain charity, the other might have a passion for something different, and then are you really intentionally planning for those gifting throughout the year? So what I always recommend is do that on the front end. Don't wait till the end of the year and say, all right, we've spent this much. What's left to give, flip it on its head and say, what do you want to give this year? Let's plan for that at the beginning. And then we can intentionally give throughout the year and not just wait till the end. Yeah. And I'll say too, the other part about gifting, especially with a, a new marriage, um, and still working through that, uh, you know, we're less than a year in and gifting can kind of start at home as well. Even if there's a cause or something that your partner or spouse might want that you're not readily, um, that might not tick the box as far as your priority, being able to say, okay, you know, I can tell you really want this, um, you know, our gift back to the budget is essentially a higher spend on something that you might really want, but that I could care less about. Um, so being able to be flexible that first year, first couple of years is also really important. Um, whether it's gifting to a charity or just making an improvement around the house that you might discount, but your, your spouse might really, really have to have that kind of thing too. Yeah. I think it's called being reasonable, right? Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. in every phase in our lives have that type of thing going on. You know, we talk about retirement it's hard to think what's what what retirement's really going to look until you actually get in there and roll with it and that's the same with the finances in a marriage it's hard to tell exactly how somebody's going to be until you get into it and we evolve you know as time goes our spending habits change a little bit we make a little bit more money we might want to do a few more things we have some tough times in the marriage financially somebody loses their job you have to be reasonable with each other as spouses and say all right this was a rough patch right now let's be reasonable on where we're cutting back and not just be selfish about it. It's easy to be selfish and say, you cut your things out, but I'm going to continue to do mine. I'm still going to play golf three times a week, but you're not allowed to get your nails done or something like that. So I think that's important. So yeah, it's all about trade-off too. And having sort of that end goal in mind, which kind of brings us back to having your priorities aligned at the beginning, at the outset, um, if you can save, and I always tell whether it's friends, clients, family, whoever, um, not only is setting that budget important and going over each individual line item, but when you look out towards your future goals, it's important to not only put a dollar amount on if you're trying to save up for a house or a car or any sort of project, but to also put a timeline on that as well. And to say, you know, this is good. This is our 12 month saving goal or two year, five year saving goal to say we want to get ready to to either buy a place or move in five years. Um, you need to put a little bit of a time frame consideration on that as well, because sometimes numbers in a vacuum um, don't have as much impact when you're when you're trying to work towards them. But time time definitely does. I love that. Be the more specific and intentional you can be with your goals, the better chance you have at a successful outcome. And I think we deal with that. That's exactly what you're saying. Make sure that we're putting some numbers on it. Make sure your goals are achievable, but also measurable. So mm -hmm. I love the time limits too. You know, we want to buy this, you know, we want to upgrade our house in three years. Well, this is the amount of money that we really need to save before we get there. And 
you can even take that back. I know that I've seen people do this with student loans. They say, look, I've got a student loan and I don't want to pay it off for 20 years. I'd like to pay it off. Well, how long would you like? Well, I'd like to have it. I'd feel really good if it could be paid off in two years. Okay, let's divide that up. And that's our goal for every quarter. You're going to pay X number of dollars towards your student loans and get them wiped out. So you're not carrying them for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes too, that can be, I think, one of the, the factors that's ignored a little bit is paying down that, that debt because a lot of folks deal with debt and getting control over that debt. And then, then when you combine debt, especially if you both have student loans, um, really working to get that debt paid down as a married couple, as a single entity can sometimes cause stress because you're, you're so used to paying down your own liabilities month to month, whether it's credit cards or student loans or housing, you write your checks, you've got yourself balanced and you can know when to, when, when to make those trade-offs. But when you get married, it's, you really are a single entity. So being able to share in the liabilities and burdens that the, the other person might bring into that marriage, um, is again, very important back to the reasonableness. You know, you gotta be reasonable when it's like, Hey, my bottom line's, uh, looking healthy, but I need to make some sacrifices myself to make sure we get your bottom line healthy as well. Cause we're, we're a single entity now. It is. I mean, there's time for debt and it's balance sheet management, man, you can really crush your spirit. If you saddle yourself with a bunch of debt and then it starts to put a stranglehold on you. And that leads to a ton of stress, like you were saying, which then couldn't lead to resentment. And that can be a big mm -hmm. pusher, a driver away of people if, you know, if they have that sitting on their heart with too much debt and then they're getting angry about it. Yeah, and debt could also be a, a pretty important financial tool as well. If, if you can manage it effectively, like you said, there's times when you're, you might have a little bit of debt that you need to make payments on, but if it's for the right goal and you're both aligned in, in how to take that down and the amounts and the timeline, um, it can be very important, uh, a very important tool for growth as well. Um, you know, especially when it comes to housing. Right. So what else, as you've gotten into this now for a few months, you're rolling along, you know, feeling good about your marriage and your finances. What, what else is going on that you'd like to push out there? Well, one thing that we're dealing with right now is um, we're still working through the a lot of the paperwork on on the front end, um, and and what you know I keep a running list going. But what I recommend for everybody is first of all is that name change. Um, whether you or your spouse ends up changing your name, keeping a name, uh, going hyphenated. There's a lot of options today. Um, but getting that done legally and getting all your documentation updated is important. Um, and that's usually the first thing I recommend to everybody is to get that done. Um, after that, you want to really look to wills and, uh, healthcare power of attorneys. Um, because I think that is something that a lot of young couples actually overlook. Um, and they say, oh, we're still young. We'll get a will, you know, in 10 or 20 years when we actually need one. But I think it's, I look at it and recommend that they just be part of that initial, uh, one fell swoop of getting everything up to date. Um, you know, you want to make sure that if something were to happen to you guys tomorrow, um, that the will and the healthcare power of attorneys are in place just, just in case, um, and look at it as any other piece of paperwork 
when you go to legally change your name, you know, you've got to update the Social Security Administration. You got to get a new driver's license, uh, a new uh, the passport, if you've got one, all that good stuff. So look at getting those things as, as just another piece of paperwork to file away and, and store in your safe. Um, kind of the next phase after that, I always say you, you should set up a joint checking account. Um, and again, a lot of those big ticket items, whether it's a mortgage or car payments or insurance, that should all be paid out of that joint checking account. Um, and while I always say, pay everything big out of the joint account. Typically, I find that it's a good idea for married couples to maintain an individual checking account as well, um, just to make sure that you've got all of your ducks in a row for any, any eventuality. Um, you know, paying big things out of the joint account, but then maintaining sort of those, those uh, checking accounts that you have beforehand is, is important. I think every couple can be different along, along those lines. First off, I the if I had a dollar for every person that didn't have a will in my career that I've met with, it it'd be a, you know I'd be a fairly rich person. So yeah, know, and we're not estate planning attorneys, but certainly you know we would recommend that you visit with an estate planning attorney because these documents are super important. If you choose, so different people choose different things as far as having an individual account in their name only and then a joint account for certain bills. Some people like that. Some people actually find that to be a, a little more cumbersome. But if you do, if that is the choice that you make, make sure it's titled properly. And then your estate planning attorney will most likely tell you this to have it titled as transfer on death so that it didn't get caught up in probate because it wasn't yep. titled properly. Now, a lot of this too, it, go, it does go back to personal preference and how you manage it because it's like you said, everybody's different. Um, so uh, no matter how you manage it, as long as you're aligned in how you management, that's that's really the the most important piece. Great. Well, I think this was awesome. Thank you, Eric. I'm going to summarize real quick. So just kind of going down the list of actionable ideas that you can do right now if you're leading up into a marriage or even if you got married and you're like, I need to hurry up and get these things done that I might have forgot to do as we got in there. So, you know, transparency is the key to all of this. Make sure you're transparent leading up to a marriage, or if you're in a marriage, you got to be transparent about everything that you have, anything debt that you're carrying, anything outstanding. Make sure you're being open and honest with each other. Then make sure that you have a clear-cut plan with measurable goals on them that you can achievable, measurable goals. Define your roles. Define your roles in in your lives. You know you do it with most things in your life. So you should make sure you're defining how you're, who's handling the finances on, you know, big ticket items all the way down to individual day-to-day -day bills. And, you know, then what Eric was just talking about, make sure that once you're married, you're doing the appropriate name changes, make sure you're meeting with an estate planning attorney and getting those documents in place right at the beginning. Um, reviewing insurance. And, you know, we always do a you know, like a life insurance gap analysis too, after, after couples are married, if you're a two income household, making sure that you have the appropriate coverage, should something unfortunately happen to one of you unexpectedly. And then we talked a little bit about titling bank accounts, making sure they're titled appropriately. So you don't end up, should something happen to you, you end up in probate court trying to figure things out when your spouse just passed away. So that's the last thing that anybody wants to deal with. So, you know, I think all of these 
can really help as you enter into that marriage and that next stage in your life. So Eric, thank you. Do you have anything to add? No, I'd, I'd say that's that about covers it, Jason. Um, and we can always cover, uh, you know, saving for retirement as a married couple down the road here, but that's, that's the next step or a couple steps ahead of time. So um, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. We're just trying to save marriages here. Yeah. <laughs> save marriages, save money. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. This is Staying on Track. Needing more information, you can uh, reach out to us, one of our trusted advisors on our website. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.daymarkwealthpartners.com or reach out to one of our trusted advisors. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The ideas and opinions expressed on this show by Daymark Wealth Partners and their guests do not constitute legal, tax, or investment advice or a recommendation of any particular security or strategy and do not represent the opinions of the underwriters of this program. Any information prepared from third-party sources are believed to be reliable, though its accuracy is not guaranteed. Opinions expressed in this commentary reflect subjective judgment of the speakers based on conditions at the time of the recording and are subject to change without notice. Listeners should seek the input of their own financial, tax, and legal professionals before acting on any information provided. Past performance is not indicative of future results.